Welcome to the Beach Grove United Methodist Church Podcast, where you can hear our Sunday morning sermons in audio form and take them wherever you go. A reminder that if you want to watch the entire service, our services are available on our YouTube channel linked in the podcast notes. We would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast so that new sermons come into your feed as soon as they are available, and you can do this using your favorite podcasting app. We would love it if you would help to support the missions and ministries here at Beach Grove through your tithes and your offerings. A donation link is also linked in the notes below. And lastly, find us on Facebook and Instagram to follow along with all the fun things happening at Beach Grove, whether you live in Suffolk, Virginia or not. We hope you enjoyed this week's message, and please don't forget to share it with others. Today's reading is uh, from the Old Testament, from Habakkuk, um, prophet, evidently, of the time. And he says, Though the fig tree does not blossom, and no fruit is on the vines, though the produce of the olive fails, and the fields yield no food, though the flock is cut off from the fold, and there is no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will exalt in God for my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet feel like the feet of a deer and makes me tread upon the heights. This is the word of God for the people of God. I invite you to take out your sermon notes as we get our time started today. If you are joining us online, there's a, a link to those notes in the description of this video. Um, And as we work our way through, uh, another characteristic, another mark of a Methodist, uh, I invite you to follow along in those notes. I actually think there might be a little bit of white space on the back. So uh, you you have a little bit of space to maybe write down some of the own things that some of your own things that you might uh, you want to take with you as we go along. But before we dive into God's word for us today, let us have a moment of prayer. Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you, that through your word for us this day, we would continue to know, grow, and learn in your love, that we may continue that path towards perfection that you have so uh, wonderfully put us upon here in this world, that we may continue to uncover your image within each and every one of us. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Uh, so many of you will remember a couple of weeks ago, I, I sent a letter out to the congregation um, about the disaffiliations that are happening in the United Methodist Church. And that was kind of the first time we had talked about that. And it's not because I didn't want to talk about it. I thought that, you know, as we journeyed together and as our leadership discerned what it looked like, that we saw the nature of community that we were building up. We saw that we were more than any single issue, that we were more than any single argument. And really, when we allow those singular arguments to overcome the nature of the church, We begin to lose sight on the actual mission and ministry that we are called to be a part of. And when I look at these marks, I think about John Wesley's affinity for them. As we've been discussing in this series that these are not marks of, these are marks of a Methodist, yes, but these are marks that if you looked at a Methodist, you looked at someone who was a part of the United, of a Methodist or a Wesleyan denomination that you could say, I know that those Methodists are Christians Because they love God, they rejoice in God's love, they give thanks, they pray constantly, and they love others. And so above all of these things, he was quick to note 
that these marks connect us to God and God's image in the world. So when we consider this alongside what is currently happening in our denomination, we have those at the table who have decided to leave and those of us who have, for the love of God and our love of Christ, have opted to stay within community together. And we look yet at the brokenness that continues to occur because of what is happening. The fracturing of friends and families, the fracturing of whole church communities. And it's hard for me as the pastor, and oftentimes hard for many of those across our denomination to see how anything within this process marks anything about what it is meant, what it is meant to be a true Christian. And so why we focus on these marks, why we look at them, is because when we understand the nature of who we are truly called to be, even if we cannot exist in community together, we are still called to uphold these characteristics. When we look at who we are and what we embody, we know that we are called to love God and to love one another. And so as we journey together in community, that's what keeps us together. And as we journey together as a community with differences in times of pain and heartache, it is the love of God that unites us together. And it is what makes it that nature and way in which we are called to live into and embody this third mark of give thanks. Because many of us can get so pessimistic about what is happening around us that we forget the good of God that is happening around us. We forget the good that God is often doing in our communities, and we often forsake it for the one moment where we think everything is falling apart and crumbling. And therefore, we forget to give thanks to God for what is right in front of us. The people in these pews, the people whom we help, the children that we welcome into our midst. This week, we consider as an extension of this understanding of finding the joy in God, of also finding the means and manners to give thanks. Wesley writes, those who have this hope, thus full of immortality in everything, give thanks. Now that quote may sound a little bit familiar. It's because John Wesley, like many good preachers, often pulls his understanding from Scripture And so after all, John Wesley, when reading 1 1 Thessalonians 5, when he reads Paul saying, give thanks in all circumstances. And now I don't know about you, friends, but when I read Paul and when I read Wesley say, in everything, give thanks or give thanks in all circumstances, I begin to think about those times when I don't want to give thanks, those times when I am not thankful, those times when we, like last week, looked and we could not see the joy that we can pull out of life, out of ministry, and out of faith. Those times when we are hungry and thirsty, those times when we are persecuted, those times when, again, like I said last week, life just sucks. And yet, we have not only John Wesley, but we have Paul telling us to give thanks in all circumstances. Right. Currently in our church, we are being called to give thanks for people who don't want to be near us. 
don't want to be a part of the community that we have built. We have families who are fracturing because they voted for different people. They hold different beliefs. We have families that are falling apart because of arguments, because of persecution. We have harm and pain that's being caused for people being who they are. And then we just have the regular things that just suck in life. People who are having bad days, bad weeks, bad months, bad years. And we're supposed to give thanks. It's like if I stopped our scripture passage today before we get to that last verse. If I just had us read 17 and 18 and we hear Habakkuk just crying about all of the things that are wrong. And Jim said, the word of God for the people of God. How many of us would truly be thankful to God for a message of a prophet who spends two two verses complaining? And yet, I think we can say that we are thankful to God for the witness that occurs in that passage. It can feel like a high expectation, giving thanks in all circumstances or in everything giving thanks. And I know we are probably willing to admit right off the bat that sometimes giving thanks is a very difficult thing to do. And yet, a mark of a Methodist, nay, a mark of a Christian, is that they can give thanks to God in all situations and in all times. You see, Wesley goes a little bit deeper and he says, whether in ease or in pain, whether in sickness or health, whether in life or death, the Methodist gives thanks from the ground of their heart to God who orders it for good. They are therefore careful, anxiously or uneasily, for nothing. As having cast all care on God, who cares for us, and in all things resting in God, after making our requests known to God with thanksgiving. So neither good nor so whether good or bad, whether in ease or pain, sickness or health, life and death, boy, this sounds like the vows of marriage. It's not that we ignore the bad, but it's that within the bad, we are reminded of the good. We are reminded of the good things that happen. We are reminded of the good things that have been offered through God, and we offer gratitude and thanksgiving. Right? We see this manner of thanksgiving as we also see expressed that nature of joy that we talked about last week. Thanksgiving is not born out of a perfect life. Rather, thanksgiving is born out of a life of faith. It's born out of a relationship with God. It is born out of knowing truly who we are and the one who does work for good in our lives. The importance of thanksgiving is to always be reminded of this true nature as we live our lives. Knowing that we are again, when we are deep down in those pits, when the, th- when the bad things are happening, the one thing that connects us to love, that connects us to grace, that connects us to peace and comfort and mercy is the love of God. And friends, if we cannot be thankful for that, then what can we be thankful for? Uh-oh. Our gratitude for God's grace is meant to always be present in our lives. Why? Because God's grace is always there. Sometimes, yes, it is hard to recognize, it is hard to see, it is hard to fathom. Sometimes we do not receive it from others the way we receive it from God, and it can become hard to say, God, I see what you're doing in my life. 
And so it can thereby be hard to give thanks. Right? Just like last week we talked about a spiritual being of joy, a spiritual state of joy. This week we talk about a spiritual understanding of thanksgiving. This is not merely something good happening to us, somebody opening a door for us, somebody offering to do something for us and us saying thank you. No, this is living a life that reflects all of the blessings that God has done for us. It means we're not only thankful in all circumstances, but we remember what exactly makes us thankful to begin with. And in order to do this, and this has always become the tough part in faith, is in order to do this, we must disconnect the pain and the suffering that we often feel from the nature of God. Right, like Wesley says, we connect that nature of good to God. And we cannot do that if we think that God is the cause of our pain, of our suffering, of the loss that we experience in this life. But we center God as a source of good, as a source of healing, as a source of comfort. Again, that God is the one getting in there with us, comforting us, guiding us, shepherding us through both presence and community. Steve Harper, I actually remembered to bring the book this morning. Y'all probably thought it was like this huge like textbook, didn't you? The way that I talked about it. But it's really just this small little green book. Um, I probably have written more words than Harper wrote for these. No, I'm kidding. Um, but Harper talks about it and he says that Wesley notes how gratitude is a response to God, specifically God's grace. And then going on to explain how that gratitude is grounded in God's grace, not in circumstances occurring around us, but that it rests and resides in our own heart and spirit. Right? This can be, I mean, it's tough, right? It's tough to like wrap our heads around because we're saying that no matter what's going on around us, we look at God and we know who God is and the work that God can do in our lives. That despite all of the horrible things that we may see happening, despite the pain that we may experience ourselves, that God is still God. And the most of all, that God is still love. And we wrestle with this because sometimes our experience counters that ideological understanding. Right? We think about the way that God is present in our lives and we just want God to take away the pain. And so in that, we forget all of the things that God has already done for us. We forget that the way that God works in our lives. We so much want to think that thanksgiving is a matter of trust. Right? I can only be thankful in God when God does good things for me because I've trusted God. Rather than considering it a matter of perspective. I can be thankful because I know what God has done. And I know that God is there for me now. And will continue to be there for me. These days will be tough. The hurt and pain and harm that we have experienced. Is hard. And yet if we can rest in the assurance that God is always there. Then friends I think we always have thanksgiving to give. I think we always have opportunities to offer thanksgiving. It's not a matter of trusting God more. My life is not terrible because I have not trusted God. I have not had enough faith. Friends, I promise you, 
As a pastor who spent all of these years trying to discern why I did not have enough faith in God because things were falling apart, only to realize that it was because I didn't change my perspective to know that God is there. And when we look at this, when we understand this, we see the importance that it is to have that perspective of thanksgiving in our lives. And we learn and reflect on what that looks like and what that means for us as we journey through these times. Of looking and reflecting on what it means to give to God, not out of how things are going, not out of how good the sermon was, but instead out of the blessing that we know God has offered to us. We don't base our thanksgiving on present circumstances or anything that's happening here and now. But we give thanks through praise, through our talents, through offering to the church in many different ways. We give thanks to God. Because we know the work that God can do through each and every one of us. And when we gather together in community, we know the work that God can do through that community. And we gather together as a denomination, we know the work that God's going to do in that denomination. And friends, when we gather together as a global body of Christians, with our hearts, minds, and spirits focused on the Lordship of Christ, we know the work that God is going to do. We give thanks knowing the love that God has given us and looking forward to the love that God will continue to offer in the future. It may seem weird to skip that present. And yet, when we're giving thanks in all times and circumstances, sometimes it's about disconnecting the pain that we are experiencing from the nature of God so that we can find a way to continue to be in relationship with God even in the midst of those hard times, even when we may be experiencing persecution, even when we may be experiencing pain. And so we look and we look at these three, we look at these three verses in Habakkuk. We look, Habakkuk is, is one of those minor prophets. If you flip too quickly through your Bible, you will miss him. I promise you, because I have. But here in Habakkuk 3, we, we get this lesson from a prophet who, and, and there's a theme for the, a lot of these prophets in the Old Testament. They've all experienced pain, right? They've all been the prophets to help to lead Israel into this promised time of greatness and wonder. And some of them have even been the ones to lead them into the promised land or to, to, to consecrate kings and to, to bring in these great, wonderful lineages of awesome saints that we see in the Old Testament. And yet every single one of them often ends with heartache and despair because, well, it just didn't happen the way you told me it would happen, God. And so here we have Habakkuk. A prophet who experiences great despair throughout his ministry. Like I said, if we had read verses 17 and 18, we would have thought, man, that was one sad guy. But thank the Lord we have verse 19. Because what we learn in these three verses, we learn three things. We learn that Habakkuk praises God regardless of his external circumstances. Right? We read in those first two passages, and I'd encourage you, go back and read all of Habakkuk. It'll take you maybe an hour. We see all the bad things, but despite all of that, Habakkuk is there praising God. 
Habakkuk's praise for God is rooted in God's promise of salvation. Right? So we are reminded of the good that God is doing for us. Our eternal life, our salvation, our sanctification, the nature of perfection and love that we hope to achieve in this lifetime. And lastly, Habakkuk recognizes God's role of strength amid weakness. Right? What greater thing could we offer the church today than those three ideals? That we can praise God amidst any external circumstances that are happening. That we know that no matter what is happening in our external lives, no matter what's happening around us, no matter what's happening within us, that God's salvation is always there. And lastly, that we always recognize God's role of strength in the midst of our own weaknesses. This is what it looks like to give thanks. It looks like that connection that we have with our community, with our church, with the people of Christ all around us. It's reminding ourselves that pain and suffering are bred from human desires. When human desires conflict with God's calling in our lives and in the lives of others, it may not be a direct fault or consequence of our own actions, but we see all over the consequences of others and how they affect us. But to move to a state of eternal thanksgiving for God, we cease to blame God. We recognize God's salvation for us and we draw upon God's strength. God's not going to strike you down if you say something wrong. Trust me, I've said a lot of wrong things in my life, and I'm still standing here. No, God, God's going to be there for us. Just like we talked about our rejoicing in God last week and God's presence with us. God is the author of good. How could we not help but to give thanks? How could we not help but to turn to God, to give to God, to offer to God (laughs) out of that manner of blessing we have in our lives rather than turning away when the pain becomes too great that we cannot even handle it? You know, there's a time in 2019 where I thought I wasn't going to be a pastor anymore, where I couldn't recognize within our church the nature of God and the love of Christ that I had experienced. And I give it to great and wonderful mentors and colleagues who guided me along, who reminded me that the church and that God are more than any of our disagreements, that the church and God are more than any of our divisions and heartaches, that the church and God are more than any harm, pain, or suffering that we experience in this world. They reminded me to reconnect with that manner of thanksgiving that we have in God. I'm thankful for what God has done. And I don't judge God by what the world has thrown at me. Harper says that thanksgiving is the evidence that we are staying in love with God. Staying in love with God. That we will not allow what is happening around us to affect that relationship. And so this week I want us to focus on that. Focus on that manner of thanksgiving. Focus on how you are staying in love with God. What you are thankful for. 
And I often encourage this, a, a gratitude journal. Because life is going to get tough. Bad things are going to happen. And those gratitudes, those manners of thanksgiving that we have with God, those, those are going to be the things that we reconnect to in our faith as we go through those trials, those tribulations, those troubling times. And so how can you use thanksgiving to change your life, to change your perspective? Amen.